Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hi, this is Lisa, and I have a returning guest here today. This is David. Say hi, David. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back, Lisa. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and David, we've had you on here a couple of times. You talked about Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and we did our Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Oh, did you hear uh, Blade Runner got, um, what is it, Screen? Well, it got a, an award. Um, like, I saw it yesterday. Um, yeah, I know oh, it was, cine- it was cinematography. It got a, an award for cinematography. Oh, wow. Cool. Is that the, the Golden Globes or? Because I know mm. the, the Oscars are going to be in March. So, but I did. I, let's see. I think it was the Cinematographers Guild or something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Said, said I mean, this is sense. the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they would know their own, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad it's getting something. <laughs> Especially <laughs> after it wasn't a huge hit at the box office. You know, I other than Jurassic Park, all my favorite movies are apparently not fa- not hits at the box box office. So I don't know what <laughs> what I'm doing there, but uh, but yeah. No, I I think I can relate to that. So what uh what movie did you select to talk about today? So today we are talking about NASA's most accurate movie, Gattaca. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. NASA voted on movies and said this is the most scientifically accurate movie, and it happens to be a really good movie. So. Yeah. I am glad we get to talk about Gattaca today. Very cool. When when uh when did you first see this movie? Um, Gattaca was. Oh, I think I saw it in theaters, but oh, really, yeah, yeah nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, I would have been old enough to go and see this, and yeah. I was definitely a nerd boy, so this would have been right up my alley <laughs> as a as a high school student. Um, and then, but I I saw it again a ton on DVD. My friend bought it. Right when it came out on DVD, and we watched it all the time. Uh, it was one of those movies that, you know, when as a kid you look at it and you think, oh my God, this is the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah, definitely yeah. watched it a lot. I think that, I think I didn't see it until it was on DVD, um, but I definitely remember liking it a lot. And like the tone of it, I mean, it's not as, I guess, sci fi and as surreal but it kind of reminded me like a little bit of dark city like i feel that there were a few sci-fis around this time that that were not huge box office hits kind of cult classic and a little bit like i don't know how to put it simpler does that make sense like they weren't you know it's not like the trailers make it seem like it's nothing but nonstop action but it's not really like that <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> this is a pretty paced movie and you're right like i think around that time I mean, just two years later, you get The Matrix, and mm-hmm. The Matrix was like redefining the sci-fi genre for a little while. For sure. Um, and so Gattaca, I think, came out just ahead of that, which 
meant that the expectation wasn't that all sci-fi had to be crazy fast-paced with high action. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess we should do the synopsis real quick before we jump in, and then we'll do a couple quick facts, and, and yeah. So yeah. here's the synopsis for Gattaca. Uh, Vincent Freeman, played by Ethan Hawke, has always fantasized about traveling into outer space, but is grounded by his status as a genetically interf- inferior invalid. He decides to fight his fate by purchasing the genes of Jerome Moreau, played by Jude Law, a laboratory-engineered valid. He assumes Jerome's DNA identity and joins the Gattaca space program where he falls in love with Irene, played by Uma Thurman. An investigation into the death of a Gattaca officer uh, complicates Vincent's plans. And we'll kind of dive more into how they get complicated and all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. uh, Yeah. That was a good... That was a good synopsis. Yeah, it's like it's kind of straight to the point, and we'll we'll define invalid and valid <laughs> as we dive in. But that's yeah, that's essentially what it's about. Um, I I had a couple just really quick facts, and then you can kind of jump in if you have them too. Uh, many of the cars in the movie are electric, a premise that is widely accepted now as inevitable, but was only conjecture when the movie was made. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I watched the movie, I was like, what's with all the whining? And then my friend uh, who watched it with me was like, dude, those are electric cars. Like, <laughs> the concept, <what>? the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that wasn't even a concept in my brain back then. It should have been, but it wasn't. And uh, yeah, I I really like that about the movie. They They make a lot of kind of broad predictions about the world and some of them are coming true and others hopefully won't. Uh, so really yeah. interesting movie that they even back in 97 kind of saw what the world was going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were uh, clever. The, the creator for Gattaca, um, what's his name? Andrew. Andrew Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy is clever to a fault, you know? So yeah. it doesn't, doesn't surprise me that he would go, Oh, okay, well let's just take these two terms that are very common in genetic sequencing and just mash them together and make the title of the movie Gattaca. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that I really like about Gattaca is they do a lot of kind of retro futurism as mm-hmm. a style. Um, and so that's retro futurism is kind of like the 50s throwback sci-fi with like, you know, um, people in uh, one piece bodysuits, you know, um, like some of Uma Thurman's uh, dresses and stuff like that are very retro futurism. And then all of the architecture in that movie is brutalism. And mm-hmm. brutalism is a very like short stint of architecture that was really popular in the fifties because it was very uh, futuristic. And if um, you know Dallas has uh, what is it Dallas City Hall that was heavily featured in RoboCop, mm-hmm. that's brutal. That's brutalism. You know, oh, okay. buildings with crazy lines and that kind of thing. And Gattaca has that in spades. It's full yeah. of really cool architecture and and just brutalism everywhere they could find it they they put it into the movie oh that's really cool yeah i I also like how um when you're talking about the way people are dressed they also kind of throw in this sort of neo-noir you know uh detective style Mm -hmm. like with their hats and everything and i i really like that too i think that was kind of what was reminding me a little bit of um dark city you know just in terms of how that's very way more heavily influenced by that specific style. But yeah, I was kind of hearkening back to that. Yeah, definitely. My, my only, I've got one more factoid oh, and that is when the movie came out, there were like zero positive reviews. Are you serious? 
yeah it's so when shocking now i, really I know <laughs> i know yeah it's such a good movie andrew nicole and ethan hawk they apparently scoured like uh 30 or 40 publications and none of them said a positive line about the movie because you know how oh. they they say oh new york times says brilliant or something you know sure. they couldn't find anything positive about their movie when oh. they were putting together the uh the teaser trailers Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to look at the Rotten Tomatoes score now. I'm just kind of curious. It's 82% now. So that's the thing. is <laughs> Sometimes things really, you know, they they take time for the audience to catch up with how smart it is. Yeah. You know, you know cr- critics, oh man, critics get it wrong. You know, yeah, it happens. And, 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 and Gattaca is one of those movies that I saw it. I fell in love with it. Everybody you know, if nobody else liked it, I didn't care. I loved it because it's just such a good movie. And, you know, Rotten Tomatoes uh, agrees with me. So I agree with Rotten Tomatoes. They're a great website. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, at the time that it came out um, and the time that I saw it, which was maybe a year or two after it was in theaters, I don't think that I had that presence of mind yet to really rely on on critics the way that I I mean, I'll admit that I usually at least look up what the score is or I look up a couple reviews and sometimes that does weigh into my decision. So Mm -hmm. I don't think I even really knew that this was a flop. I don't think I really knew that it had bad reviews. So that's really interesting. Yeah, well, and you know, when you're in high school or that age range, that's around the time you start rejecting the status quo. You start rejecting authority for the sake of authority. And (laughs) so, you know, ignoring critics is what you do in the high school, I guess. Yeah. And and I also think that back then, just in general, people were more likely to, you know, go to a movie theater or, or rent a movie and not really worry that much about if it's good or bad. At least I wasn't. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, you know, people were a lot more experimental back then and people would go to movies just for the sake of seeing a story told in the movie format. Yeah, I can remember if, going to like the theater and going, oh, what's showing and, and seeing it then. I would yeah. never do that now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The idea of and like when I was in high school, of course, you had so much free time, you could go and watch back to back movies. You just go to the theater and you'd either plex it where you kind of snuck from one to one, from one to the other, or you went and bought extra tickets, you know, and you just spent the day in the theater. And I, I could not imagine doing that now. Yeah, I, I, I remember my dad like dropping me off. I told him he did this and he was like, I did that to you. <laughs> but he would like drop me off at the mall for like hours, like four or five hours. And so sometimes oh, yeah. I just go to the movie theater and watch a movie or two. Oh, I yeah. All the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 90s. 90s was great for that. You could just you could just go to the mall or go to the theater and, and your parents would just leave you alone for five hours. You didn't have a cell phone back then. You didn't have, nope. you know, they're just like, we'll pick you up at, you know, outside of uh, the gap and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd take you home. Yeah, call on a payphone and be like, I'm ready. That, that was how he knew to pick me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the creator of this, the director and writer, Andrew Nicole. He also directed Lord of War. But he's mainly yes. known for writing scripts. He wrote The Terminal and The Truman Show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all all good movies. Yeah. Um, I really like The Truman Show. It's one of my favorites. Um, and then Lord of War with, uh, who is it, Nick Cage? Yeah, it's Nicolas Cage and Jared Leto. Yeah, yeah. Great, great movie. Um, I love that movie. <laughs> so, so Gattaca... Um, yeah, this is one where he wrote and directed it. He mm-hmm. did a follow-up to Gattaca, which oh, really? was yeah, which wasn't so good. Um, 
it, it's called In Time. Mm. And that was where, um, oh, God, singer, heartthrob guy, Timberlake. Oh, Justin uh, Timberlake. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Timberlake is in is in that movie, In Time. And the premise of In Time is basically Gattaca plus 50 years where they've gotten rid of death. So they've genetically removed dying. Mm. And it, it's a neat concept, but it just did not. It didn't play, you know. Oh, it just didn't go as well. That's too bad. Yeah, but Gattaca, whew, ooh man, this is a good one. I'm yes. really glad we're talking about this show. Yeah, and um, you know, it stars. It's so crazy to see Ethan Hawke that young. Like, I'm just <laughs> he's shocked. A, he's a baby. He's he a baby. A total baby in this movie. Um, you know, obviously he was. When I think the best things I think I've seen him in, he's one of those actors that's actually been in a lot of movies, but not. I mean, a lot of good ones, but not the. He's not in the background. I don't know how to put it. He's not always like completely at the forefront, but I loved him in 30 days of night and sinister. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I found out in research for this, I found out that he did a, a movie called, Oh God, it's about kids growing up. Um, oh, uh, that movie that like took 12 years to make. I think it was. Boy yes. Boy. Yes. Yeah. I want to see that now that I, it took him 12 years to film this movie. Yeah. I, I haven't is... seen it, but I, I remember when it came out, um, I think it was like the year that uh, Mad Max won all those Oscars. It's like a year or two ago. Yeah. 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 And, but Ethan Hawke, in this role for Gattaca, he does such an excellent job of being the stubborn, move-forward hero of the movie. Mm -hmm. You really – like. Um, so part of the Gattaca premise is that he is he has two faces to himself. He has there's the truth of who he was growing up, and then there's this persona that he's taken on in order to realize his vision of going into space. Mm -hmm. And Ethan Hawke, there's a couple of moments in the movie where he just kind of brushes his hair in a certain way, and he instantly transforms from his alter ego into his former unsure boyhood self and i don't know actors that can do that kind of transition with a single motion mm -hmm. but ethan hogg just blew me away in this movie once i started looking for that kind of stuff it's like oh my god he is instantly transitioning from like one character to another by just tussling his hair in the slightest of ways yeah i'm gonna have to go back and watch it and look for that now i didn't know that um it, yeah it's in the scene where he's with uma thurman mm -hmm. and um you know he's He's very uh, confident, and then she starts to, like, get through the cracks to him just a little bit, and he, like, puts his hand to his hair, and the way he tussles his hair just slightly changes his hairstyle from the style of Jerome Morrow back mm -hmm. to young Vincent. It's, like, spiky now, and he gets this kind of unsure smirk on his face, and it's like, oh, my God, in, like, in like five frames, you've completely gone from confident G-man to... Uh, scared and vulnerable, you know. It was it was just really good. Yeah, yeah. He's excellent in the role, and and he's really good in everything that he's in. I just for a while I feel like he kind of fell off the radar, and then with movies like Sinister and Boyhood and things, they kind of put him back at the forefront. I think. Yeah, and wasn't he? I think he was also in Lord of War, right? So Andrew brought him oh, back. Is he? Let me see. Yeah, he was one of the. Um, you're right. He wasn't the main guy, but he was one of the. Um, Oh God, I forget the role that he played, but kind of like Ethan Hawke, you know, he, he wasn't in the forefront, but he was, 
doing an important role in the oh, movie. Yeah, Jack Valentine is the name of the character. Man, I gotta watch that movie again. Yeah, yeah, that's a favorite of Kelly and I's. We we watch that one probably uh, every year, every other year. Oh yeah, I, I like I really really like that movie. It's it's crazy because that that movie you can kind of show to people and go, no, Nicolas Cage he actually can act. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he's like actually really good. He's just in all <laughs> these like crazy movies, but he actually is a good actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think you and I have talked about this before. Like sometimes the director really has a huge impact. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then and then other times I kind of wonder if sometimes these guys just take jobs because maybe on paper it looks better than it is, right. or maybe it's hard maybe to tell sometimes. Yeah, or maybe they just need the money. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, you can't. That's true. Yeah, so I mean, uh, Nicholas Cage. I agree. Like, he has some real winners in there, uh, and some some that aren't. But yeah, yeah uh, Ethan Hawke. I'm I'm a huge fan of his acting, and really enjoyed him in this movie. So it wasn't a brilliant movie, but I mean, the concept was interesting enough to where I still enjoyed it. H- have you seen a Predestination? <sighs> Um, I think I've read about it. I don't think yeah. I actually saw Predestination. Uh, I kind of liked it. I know, like, the score is, is terrible for it and people are really brutal. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, I, I can totally see where they're coming from. But I think that it's one of those things where, to me, the concept was interesting enough that I, I still really enjoyed it. And there was just enough about it that I liked. But it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of Gattaca a little bit because it's, you know, it's sci-fi and... Um, it's got some twists and turns and it's, it's just interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's something I want to see just for myself. Um, but I haven't, I, that was one of those ones that I read it kind of because of the Ethan Hawke Gattaca connection. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool premise. I, I definitely want to see this. I just I haven't made the time to. Yeah. I think I just saw it on like Netflix or something, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess let's talk a little bit about Jude Law real quick. Uh, yes you know, he plays uh jerome the real jerome uh and i think actually a minute ago when i was saying ethan hawks and a lot of things but they're not as popular i actually think i was referring to jude law because i was oh. looking i was looking at his you know imdb and it's like man he was in a ton of bombs <laughs> like <laughs> like a ton of them and i'm like man i remember that i remember all the you know i guess because it was around the time i was really paying attention to movies he was in a, a bunch of those films but really when i was trying to come up with a list of like really good stuff he was in um i thought of i really liked the movie the talented mr ripley mm-hmm. and he, this movie is like it has some problems i still like it but he's really good in it was the road to perdition also yeah uh, I really liked him in Alfie. I thought oh, he yeah, was yeah. phenomenal in Alfie. Um, and then, oh, what was he did a really dark movie? Um, oh gosh, it was about couples kind of falling out of love. Um, oh, I'm I'm struggling with the name, but I remember thinking like, oh, dude. You're you're way in deep on this one, Jude. Good good for you, man. Because <laughs> um, you know, actors, I think if they go and play bad guys, kind of can struggle a little bit afterwards. Mm-hmm. And and Jude is willing to do that every so often. I really appreciate that about him. Yeah, and he just he has this look that I just kind of thought he would be in more things, especially after like movies like this or some of the other ones. I just thought. I mean, I know he, he had a lot of success with the Sherlock Holmes franchise, but, but even before that, it seemed like he kind of faded away for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind mm-hmm. of recent, more recently kind of come back. Um, he's going to be Dumbledore, so. Oh, that's <laughs> he'll awesome. Be, he'll be the young Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beast movie. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Um, but yeah, I think he did a really, really good job in this role. I think the character gets to the points in the movie where you, you almost have a hard time feeling sorry for him because <laughs> he's so mopey <laughs> and so privileged, but um, yeah, he kind of yeah. comes around towards the end. Well, uh, yeah, and and the other thing I like about him is he he explains to Jerome Morrow what this was all about, and he does it in the in the in the way that only like a spoiled rich boy could ever do. You know, like he just like Jude did such a great job of making. Drew Morrow human, even though me as a kid, I would probably have hated that person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still liked him because he was able to portray him in a way that, that humanized him to me. And, sure. and he wasn't, he had a lot going on. Like he had a lot of layers to him and he didn't need to, you know, a character like that doesn't necessarily have to have that much depth. And, and Jude Law, definitely portrayed him as a as a multifaceted person who struggled with you know what is his purpose in the world because clearly he didn't meet it Mm -hmm. um and and that's that's really good on him for for doing that for sure and the last person i had to kind of discuss unless you had other facts about jude law uh no 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 okay uh last person i had to discuss was uma thurman's character as well i don't think i have to introduce how Everyone knows her, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I um, I thought her character was pretty interesting, um, in the movie, and she kind of is you know a love interest, but also she sort of she helps kind of fill in the gaps of how everyone in this world is struggling to, you know, with their own shortcomings and and how that society really is damaging, you know, the flaws right. in in going for something where everyone is genetically altered or or your genetics play that much of a role in who you become yeah yeah in the in the sense that she's the um token Mm -hmm. you know like i really got the sense that she felt like she was the token employee in gattaca the one that they pointed to to say see we have a diversity hire she's flawed you know we're we're not we don't do genetic uh what is it genetic discrimination because we have this this person here who has a bad heart see that's that means that we're good guys. Um, and she definitely kind of carries that cross the entire movie. Um, and really, I, I liked her interaction with, like when she meets both Jeromes, mm-hmm. the way she portrays her character's like revulsion, but acceptance and just kind of putting it all together she did such an awesome job um, that I, 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 I've, I've watched her ever since. Um, so this movie is really what introduced me to Uma Thurman. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and to Jude Law. And just because, you know, I saw it when I was a kid and I hadn't really seen them before then. I was like, okay, these two people, I'm definitely going to follow and watch whatever they do. So I went back and watched Pulp Fiction and then watched Kill Bill when it came out, of course, because – she was in this movie that I loved and she did such an awesome job portraying this like not quite accepted person in this world. Mm-hmm. I always think she does a really good job. I feel like she kind of dropped off after the Batman and Robin movie, but 
<laughs> but uh, she was in really good stuff before yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. And and you know, I I probably just wasn't aware because um, yeah. there was a time there where I just watched movies and I didn't really know actors from from one movie to the next. Oh, and yeah. right around here was when I started paying attention to people. I think I think I'm probably in that same boat with you as well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely didn't see Pulp Fiction before this, so. Right. And there's another um there's another guy I wanted to talk about um oh, sure. uh, uh Gore Vidal. The Oh, okay, yeah. He plays the director in in this movie. He's he plays uh spoiler of course, he's the murderer mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Um and he's the one that he drops a little a lot of little hints throughout the movie that he's the murderer like he is distracted a lot of times and and that kind of thing but uh Gore Vidal after this movie is made went and made a documentary about how Gattaca is is on the path to becoming a reality. Oh wow, really? I would yeah. love to watch that. Yeah, it's like a it's called like the Gattaca novella or something like that. I'll I'll find a link for you and, and oh, get cool. it to you. But it's um he basically goes and talks to geneticists about the history of genetics and the future of genetics. And this is back in like, I want to say 2008 or something like that. He made this movie or 2006. So since then, there's been even more advances. But I think that Gore Vidal, he looked at this and says, oh, no, this is something that I want to do because he doesn't act a lot. Right. You know, That's true. Um, and I think that he said, no, I want to be a part of this. This is just m- my supposition because he saw the material as something that was predictive so much so that after the movie came out, he worked to make a documentary about how predictive Gattaca could be. Well, you know, when we were watching this last night, I was telling Nick, I was like, you know, I remember, especially since I was sort of raised in a very uh, religious private school they were really afraid of this technology <laughs> growing up. Like it was a real fear. And, and there were like, I remember a lot of moral questions in like my mm-hmm. science book about, you know, should we do this? I mean, my, my science books were so worried. It was, I, I even read articles like, should we put like a, a heart, a, a, I guess a mechanical heart in someone? What are the ethics of that? Is that playing God? I mean, that extreme, right. so like something like this was like really, Oh yeah, extreme back then, and and I remember uh, Nick was saying he's like it's hard for he was hard for me as a as a kid to have any reservations about that technology or worrying about you know how far it could go. Yeah, um, and I was like yeah because we didn't have all that baggage you know <laughs> that people right. had about fear of I guess the unknown when you're young it's like you're learning everything so you're not really like you don't have any of these hangups about yeah. It. So, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense that it would spur him to, to do a documentary on it. Definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, he's of the right uh, generation to really have a huge concern about that and, and want to get a message out about it. Um, it. My wife, she has a, she has a kind of an axiom. She tells, she reminds me of every so often, if something was happening before you are 30, it is normal to you. Yeah, I think that's and ab- accurate. And, and after that, it becomes abnormal. So like me and people around my age, the loss of privacy through uh, Facebook and other social media, that is a big concern for folks my age and older, whereas folks my age and younger are like, eh, I've yeah, already given privacy ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I, I don't know that I'm losing anything. Um, and so, you know, genetics, same thing here. Uh, that was 
I went to a private high school and they had similar things. Like I had to give a speech on genetics and the ethics of genetics. After watching this movie, I was like, no, this is awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, let's it's just like, Let's just not discriminate. Um, And they actually wrote a law in the 90s after Gattaca came out saying uh, discrimination based on genetics is is illegal. Well, after I watched the movie, there's a little documentary that's on the Blu-ray that we have. And uh, it it just kind of talks about the science behind, you know, what's going on in the movie. And Mm -hmm. they mentioned that uh, one of the teachers said, I often ask my students, like, what would you say you know, if we started passing laws and things like that based on genetics, and they were like, oh, that's horrible. And he was like, well, did you know that you pay an extra $500 a month for car insurance if you have a certain, um, you know, uh, genetic factor or something? Oh, and wow. They're like, And they're like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, it's if you have the Y chromosome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so basically his point was we already discriminate now. You know, yeah. and, and it's true, like when you think about even just like medical insurance and there's all kinds of ways I, that we do that. I mean, you could even take it as far as to say uh, that in the workplace, at least I, I think in the past, present and future, probably we do do things like that. Women get paid less than men, you know, yep. on average. And, um, you know, there's racial factors as well and so we actually already do this but when you reframe it in the movie in a different way uh you know we we recognize it immediately as bad you know you know uh, yes okay so you're raising a point that really is a selling thing selling point for me when it comes to Gattaca is if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't if they don't believe that those things are real you know, if they don't believe that there's a pay gap or they don't believe that racism is still a thing in America or they don't believe that, you know, there's a thing called privilege, I will show them Gattaca. I'll say, no, 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 let's go watch Gattaca. Um, and they will sit there and get so mad for Ethan Hawke's character. And it's like, right. Because you relate to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he's the guy that, I mean, really should get everything in or does normally. I mean, there's, I don't think it's an accident to make him and... No, uh, Jude Law, so like young and good looking, and oh yeah, capable, oh yeah, you know, because you're like, what? There's obviously nothing wrong with these guys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and even how just because you hire someone for diversity's sake, it doesn't mean that you're really giving them a you know a, a leg up. Are are they the kind of person that will advance? Will they get a leadership position, or are they always going to be limited to? like his character a certain level and this is as far as you can go kind of thing yeah and how in life it really isn't fair you know it's not fair that some people get to go to better schools and they come from a different social background or whatever and and our life is already like this you know right right and and some of the the precepts in Gattaca so to kind of set the stage for folks the idea is parents who make babies the old-fashioned way are religiously minded they make these god children or that's what their offspring are called god childs you know they're mm-hmm. they're they're uh babies of faith instead of babies of science and they don't have any engineering in them so they're deeply flawed and in the um uh and then the ones that are are engineered obviously have all of these benefits and all of these uh these advances in the world and the world really caters to the engineered people um there's a, oh, what is it? 
um, there is some of this is already happening. So that's one of the things that I think about Gattaca that's very predictive. If you as a family go through IVF, you there is a step in there where you can say, no, I want to know which of the possible embryos are boys and girls, and I will select the gender of my child. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have the, I want to have all the embryos genetically sequenced, and I want to look for markers for certain diseases, and if those markers are present, I don't want to, I don't want to have that baby go forward. I want to pick the ones that have the fewest markers for genetic problems. Uh, now those aren't super safe right now, and they're not super accurate, to my knowledge. Like there are still some some variations that can come afterwards, but. Even right now, people can kind of do a hybrid of this where they go the old-fashioned way to make all the embryos, but then they could look at all the embryos and select down for certain things. And so, I mean, this movie really saw that as a future possibility and then just built a whole society around that being the norm. And I mean, if you think that that's, you know, unethical, I mean, in a way, we're already doing that. Maybe we're not necessarily selecting embryos like that's not open to everybody but if you get pregnant then you can go to the doctor and they can tell you what what's going to happen you they may say hey we've noticed that you know the the baby has this or um when they're born they may not survive or you know so we actually already know things before the baby's even born and have to make moral decisions based on that information yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, in this movie, there's a scene where when uh, Vincent is born, um, the very first thing they do before mom gets to hold the baby, before dad gets to hold the baby, the very first thing they do is take a drop of blood from the baby's foot and they sequence it and they say, all right, here are all of the bad things with your child. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the nurse just, uh, that actress, she just did this <laughs> great yeah. job of just like, I'm going to destroy your world right now, reading off all the terrible things that are going to be visited upon your child because you didn't do this engineering step. You know, like you can almost feel the bias towards doing engineering just in the way that she reads off. Yep, your kid's going to die by the time he's 30. He has, you know, 99% heart problems. He's going to have all these other problems. Um, You know, it's all just guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, and and, feel, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I was just, just going to say that, you know, that, to your point, that is kind of possible today. You can get a blood test long before the baby's born to find out all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, about what may or may not visit that, that person. Yeah, it's just interesting because uh, you're right. This movie, I think, is making a very strong case against it. And I think that it's kind of building this narrative that all, all these uh, – all this chance that happens when we're born, when, you know, your parents have you, is that part of being human? You know, is that part of your identity? And if you're deciding someone's identity, it's almost like they're less of a person, at least in the context of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely see that with Jude Law's character, right? I mean, he was, he was born with the destiny of getting gold in something. And he failed to fulfill that destiny, and he was um, completely destroyed for having not met his purpose in the world. And that purpose was decided long before he was born. Yeah, well, another factoid about this movie, as part of the advertising for this movie, they put up a bunch of billboards saying, do you want your child to be genetically engineered to be better? 
and they got thousands of phone calls. Well, yeah, who doesn't want to have their child have the best chance in life and, and be better? Like, if, if that were an option, I mean, your parents want the best for you. you right, know? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's only human to want that, so, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, it's all... It to me, that's one of the beautiful things about this movie is that you can have this kind of discussion in the context of Gattaca and then take that discussion back to the real world and say, okay, well, do I now have a new perspective on these things? I, I think I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so the the plot isn't really complicated. It's pretty simple. You know, yeah. the color yeah. palette is simple. The backgrounds are simple. Their outfits yeah. are simple. But it it is a a complex issue. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whodunit. And, uh, does the guy, you know, get away with lying to everybody? <laughs> That's it. You know, it's really, you're right. It's a very simple movie. Yeah. Well, do you have a, what's, what's the next part that you want to talk about, about the plot or like a scene you really liked? Um, you know, I've got a couple of scenes that I definitely want to talk about. So okay. we could, we could do that. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to start off right off with the opening credits. The opening credits of Gattaca are so unique in the movie space because what it is is you've got like nail clippings and and strands of hair and and flakes of skin, um, and they're giant. They're huge. They're so big you kind of don't recognize them at first, mm-hmm. um, and that's really kind of sets the stage for this movie that small things are very important here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That details really matter. And then throughout the life of the movie, you realize, oh, this is inside of an incinerator because it's that blue light that mm-hmm. then visits you at the end with uh, Jude Law's character going into the incinerator. Oh, and yeah. and it's really Ethan Hawke's character shedding himself. You know, he's removing all of the evidence of who he is so that he can don all of um, Jerome Morrow's things you know his fingerprint his uh his blood his hair his everything that he can possibly do to make him pass as drone morrow and it's just one of those things that like you know that the creators when they were putting this together said you know what the opening title sequence needs to needs to set this stage because we have so much ground to cover to get the audience to the point where they accept this world that we got to start right here with giant you know, strands of hair dropping from the sky. <laughs> right, right. Onto yeah. This. yeah. That, that is really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but definitely. I, I think my, I think my favorite or one of the, one of the best moments, um, in this movie that I'd love to talk a lot about is when, when the broker has Jude Law and Ethan Hawke's character. So he's got Jerome Morrow and, and Vincent Freeman, um, and they're doing the transition, right? They're doing the, um, here's how you guys are going to get there. Here's the deal. You got to fix your teeth. You got to, you got to wear contacts. You got to do all this stuff. And then they have this moment where it's like, Hey man, you're not tall enough. Oh. And, 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 and like I, as a kid didn't get it. I was like, what do you mean he's not tall enough? And he's like, I'll just wear lifts. And I'm, as a boy, I'm thinking, yeah, he'll just wear lifts. Like who cares? And <laughs> they're like, no, no, you don't understand. The file says you have to be six one. So you got to be six one, and then they show you the bone, and like they show him going, "I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that." Like he's emphatic, "This is not going to happen." And then they show the bone saw, and then he's lying on the ground, you know, in traction basically, as they've done whatever they got to do to make your legs two inches higher. 
Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, but but that that whole moment with with those two characters and really cementing that no 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 Jerome I'm in on this. I'm going the whole way. And I think that before then Jude Law's character Jerome Morrow was kind of like eh, this guy's going to flake on me. Yeah. You I know. See that, yeah. He was antagonizing a little bit and you know every time Jerome, every time, sorry, uh, Vincent, every time Vincent has a moment of doubt, immediately Jude Law is on him. No, you're not giving up on me in the last fucking gasp. You know, like, yeah, he was he was hyper vigilant about Vincent walking away from this. It meant it almost meant more to the real Jerome Morrow that the fake Jerome Morrow went into space in some cases. Mm hmm. Because then I, he sort of has, by proxy, at least succeeded. done something, yeah. Yeah, he's succeeded in something. He made his own... That Okay, yeah, yeah. Principally, this is one of the things I love about the movie, is that Jerome Morrow, he's a failed human. Like, he was, he was probably going to go commit suicide at some point because he had failed at his life's mission and was handicapped. He was supposed to be this amazing gold medalist. You know, there are all these expectations that he's not meeting and he's never going to meet and he's got nothing to live for. And this guy comes along and buys his ladder, buys his genetic, you know, uh, uh, markers. And and he's like, no, this is what I live for is to get you into space. And I'm not going to let you take this from me. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> having a lot of epiphanies today <laughs> yeah so a really I, good scene yeah they're they're that scene that sets the stage i think for everything else um because jerome morrow was never questioned right his dedication to this was never in question it was always vincent's dedication that was always in question mm -hmm. that's true yeah wow what do you think about uh, the twist that the person investigating him is his brother? I was jumping too far ahead, but oh my god, yeah. Okay, so that is one of the. This movie has so many like climaxes at the end, you know, because there's all these relationships he has to button up or that they choose to button up in the movie, and when you find out that the lead detective is his brother, one, it explains a lot of kind of weird behavior. Mm-hmm. Because he was like, oh, don't worry sequencing that guy looking for family. I've already done it. He knew in the beginning that that was his brother. Yeah. All the way in the beginning, he knew that that was his brother. And, and he told the other detective to not look into it. Because then the detective would have realized that, oh, no, you two are brothers. I, you can't be on this case. <laughs> you can't investigate your own brother. Right. Um, and, you know, the detective, lead detective, was a valid. Nobody would question that his parents didn't have other valid children, if any. Um, and so, yeah, when he was the brother at the end, um, it made me a lot happier. Because I felt like when they showed him as boys, that there was too much unresolved brother issues there. Yeah, I could see that. And And that gave them the chance to do one more swim out into the water. And for for him to understand that, no, you weren't fighting my genetics anymore. You were fighting my human spirit to like go further than anybody else, to play a, a game on a different level than anybody else was playing. 
Um, and to really have that kind of bullheaded drive to, as he said in the water, you know, they have that, they're, they're racing out of the water and they're, they're both older now. And the, the older or the younger brother is, is lagging behind is like, Hey, how did you do this? And he, and the, the delivery of the line, I never saved anything for the way back. And you see this flash of, Oh my God, my brother is insane. I'm all the way out in the, you know, I'm all the way out in the ocean, and my brother is insane. I'm leaving right now um, because he realizes that he's swimming with an insane person. Um, but it was so perfect because it explained that like, he even said, like right before this, like, oh, it's it, we're already so close. Let's just go to the other side of what the Atlantic Ocean, you know, like they had yeah. just left the beach, and he's already talking about swimming all the way to the other side of the ocean because Ethan Hawke's character has like ascended the normal game of chicken and he is now playing chicken with the universe and he is like no no i i know that reaching the other side is possible and because i believe it it is now 100 percent more possible than it was back when i was holding myself back and since i'm not holding myself back you're terrified of that and you're going to go ahead and leave um but i love that reveal and i love the way they they kind of explained how Ethan Hawke's character decided to make this leap away and, and to and to basically do something that proved to himself that he could do the thing that nobody thought he could do. And he held on to that from his boyhood all the way into him being, you know, uh, a man pursuing whatever his his goal is going to Titan. That how to how to kind of wrap that up. That 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 moment in his childhood where he be- beat his brother was the defining moment that that led to him being who he was and his brother finally realizing what happened and how his brother is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I just love it. Like that whole thing, it just made, it just made the movie so much better because now mm-hmm. it's a movie about family. It's a movie about, um, about, uh, you know, breaking through your limits as a child. And then using that to allow yourself to break through limits as an adult. And maybe how, you know, knowing all your limitations is, can be a bad thing. Because like in the movie, people do exceed expectations sometimes. And if you place that limit on yourself of, oh, well, this is the job I have to get. This is, you know, I could get these diseases. I could, this this or that could happen. Um, It can really hold you back. Uh, yeah. In a way that he chose not to, you know, like his mother was like, with your bad heart. And he was kind of like, but there's, I, there's a possibility that, that nothing will happen to my heart and that nothing. Right. It's just, it's really just a statistic and it's not, you know, it, it's like their genetic uh, uh, testing got so extreme that it's like, he's like bubble boy or something. Mm-hmm. Nothing is physically wrong with him, but he's being told to be extra careful. Um, yeah. Nonetheless. And, and, and that, that can hold people back from their from their true potential, which you can't, I guess, in the movie at least, uh, and in real life too, you can't really measure because you don't really know what it is. I right. guess no matter how, you know, how many uh, factors you can nail down, you don't really, really, really know the outcome. And in a yeah. society where they believe that they do, you know, it's it's unfair because you're holding people back. Right, right. Well, and it's and it's not true, right? Yeah. I mean, it, everybody believes the stats so much that they become a lie. Yeah. And, and I love that moment when they're, when he were, when they're having that discussion in Gattaca, um, 
and he's like, no, you, you need to stop this right now. The brother was telling Vincent, you need to stop this right now. Let me take you in. And he's like, God, even you should know I don't need saving. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that somebody growing up as kind of treated like a bubble boy, somebody who couldn't leave anything because they had so many limitations on them, for he he's proved it to one person only in his entire life. And that person now is telling him, no, no, no I need to protect you. It's like, no, you're the one person who should know I don't need this. I am fine. And you need to let me be fine. Um, I I really liked that moment. I really yeah. liked that that relationship between them, that they were both aware of each other, but never communicated until this this last moment, this this climax. Yeah, and it puts a, a more positive spin on the brother being so competitive and like, you know, I'm going to beat you. You know, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to do that. The, mm-hmm. There was also like a caring aspect to that, you know, that he he was worried because of his limitations and he cared about him and he, he wanted to protect him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's looking out for his brother. and But you can tell that that moment in the water when they were boys – defined his character too mm-hmm. because every time we see the detective on his own he's swimming in a lap pool yeah that's right he's he's always swimming cuz he's always he's he's stuck in that moment when his little invalid brother beats him when he shouldn't have and he's stuck there his entire life because he just doesn't understand that moment he didn't understand how his invalid brother could beat him as a valid yeah. Uh, and, and I love that cause that's, that's true, man. My, there's parts of my childhood that stay with, that stay with me and oh, everybody sure. has that. Everybody has those defining moments that you bring. It's a cornerstone of who you are. And that was his. And I love that they kind of hint at that throughout the entire movie. Well, plus his, his self-confidence, it was manufactured. I mean, he didn't earn it. He didn't believe it. It was just told to him and Yeah. So in that one moment when it's disproven, he doesn't have the years that his brother had of being told no and, and telling himself yes. So it's like he's at an automatic disadvantage when he fails. You yeah. know, you're, you're raising people to think they can't fail. And then when they do, it's more devastating than it should be instead of just like a a building block. Um, I guess one question I had about the movie, and maybe I missed it, but the brother becoming a detective, to me, that feels kind of like he didn't... He didn't meet his potential, right? Because shouldn't he be going to space? And shouldn't he, because he's so gifted, be doing something better? It, it just seems like a lot of times in movies, becoming a detective is not like, you know, the, yeah. the top of what you could. You know, you're kind of <laughs> you, like one of the worker bees almost. Yeah, you, you made some questionable life choices. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't, stu- you didn't study as well as you should have for all those tests. Yeah. But I mean, be- being a detective is hard. You know, yeah, you oh, have. No, you, I, I'm not playing you know, it down in, in real yeah, life, but I think, but, like in movies, it doesn't seem like they're like at the very top or anything. That's true. Yeah, it's not a glamorous thing, yeah. and you can kind of tell that because they're like out in back alleys, rounding up random invalids, doing testing on them. You know, yeah, and he, it you can tell, like he got you can to t- live his dream either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's probably because, you know, to your point, he had manufactured confidence and never made confidence for himself um, and just, uh, you know, uh, kind of lived in a world of self-doubt that led him to that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's another really good scene that um, I'd like to talk about is when um, – Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman are leaving their date and they've decided to start doing a bunch of random stops and they've got this um, 
uh, they've got this, oh, what is it? They're doing like cheek swabs and they're, they're looking for contacts and all that kind of stuff. And he can kind of see what's happening. They get up to the car and it's such a, it's such a betrayal between Ethan Hawke's character and Uma Thurman's character because he lays all of this um, – he basically denies all of the tests and he blames all of it on he's with uh, an amorous woman. When they yeah. haven't done – they haven't done anything, right? Yeah. They haven't even kissed yet. And he's like, oh, I can't let you swab my cheek because it might be contaminated. You know, wink, wink, I've been making out with her. Uh, you know, like he he lays a lot of – um, he lays a lot of stuff on her and you can tell that she's upset. She's like, really? And then as soon as they drive away, he's like, oh, you know, you never know where those things have been. And that kind of makes it okay for her, but it wasn't, you know, like, um, I don't know. There's just something about that moment that I, I thought was so like interesting that he was like, I have to betray this person in order to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only one way for me to excuse that to her. And that is to say that those things are gross, um, you know. And I don't know, like that was just a weird moment in the movie, and and just really telling of how, I don't know, like he has he's now has a couple of things that he wants, but he's he is still more dedicated to his mission and to his life goal than he is to her at that point. Yeah, and do you think that that the movie is sort of because I feel like it does it a few times, but sort of playing on that power dynamic where it's kind of like they've created this uh society where you're sort of always having to put other people down to bring yourself up kind of thing so by saying he's contaminated it's like you know is that saying contaminated because she's the exception they hired oh yeah i had i hadn't (laughs) even thought of that oh my god yeah Yeah. or also a woman like i don't know like almost like saying like they're a weakness, you know, instead of a a colleague, like, I mean, because they are, you know, or they should be colleagues, but they're Mm -hmm. also on a date. And so that kind of changes the hierarchy there too, in a way. I don't know. I kind of thought that there was levels to that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, genetic perfection, that was a weird thing, you know, because like Eugene or, uh, 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 what is it? Um, Jerome Morrow's middle name is Eugene, as in eugenics. Right. Which is, oh my God, it brings up like Nazis and stuff with right. eugenics. Um, and so, so yeah, there is definitely a lot of genetic-based hierarchy talked about in this movie. Even like when Uma Thurman goes and gets him sequenced, he's like a nine point, like what was it? He was like a nine point seven or something like that, which. To me, he says, oh, well, they have you ranked on a scale of 1 to 10, and he's mm-hmm. almost a perfect genetic 10. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of – they, they kind of make the point that, oh, well, racism is no longer a thing because we have this genetic component in there. But I almost would take the stance that, okay, well, then genetics is just a more detailed look into the same thing. Right, and I felt like they were on purpose using – like they're not talking about racism, but they're using that as an example of isn't this the same thing? Right. And yeah. It's like I'm not saying they were saying oh blonde hair blue eyes perfection, but they were nodding to it's this is similar to that. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And and how you don't really know a person until you know their genetic code, right? So mm-hmm. like even today we kind of 
run into that with online interactivity where you talk to people, but it's all anonymous. You don't really know them until you kind of know what they look like and where they're from and all that kind of stuff. Like we, we do have some layers of, of, of uh, getting to know people here that in our society now that kind of re- is reflected back in Gattaca, that there's layers to a person. You don't really fully know them until you go and, you know, learn more truths about them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I love about their relationship. So to talk about Vincent and Irene's relationship, you know, it starts off with her kind of putting herself out there saying, here, have me sequenced. And he does that kind of romantic gesture of saying, oops, the wind caught it to say, no, I'm going to accept you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And she takes this as a huge, I would imagine a huge, uh, a gesture on his part because he's genetically near perfect and she has all these flaws and he's saying, oh no, I'm willing to accept that. Um, but we all know that it, in truth, he is more flawed than she is. Right. Um, but, but it, it's one of those things that, you know, they, they have this kind of interesting cat, cat and mouse game that they're playing with each other where they want to get close to each other, but she's intimidated by his perfection and he's probably on, on some level kind of intimidated by the fact that she's accepted by society. Right. Even as somebody who's not perfect, she is, she's allowed to work at Gattaca and he's not in reality. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and how, how the, I guess like the, the world that they're in forces them to be competitive with each other, even when they have feelings for each other. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause he's going up and she's not, and mm-hmm. she kind of, she kind of believes or knows that she'll never be allowed to go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the things I found really interesting, I'd like to kind of get your take on it. You know, Gattaca had all of those physical requirements and all the stuff you need to do in order to go up, right? Mm-hmm. But then Ethan Hawke tells Jude Law, "Well, you know, up on Titan, you're weightless. Your legs don't matter there." And it it made me think like. Gattaca is such a worse place now, having realized that, because there were no handicapped people in that building. Right. Um, and and he's right. When you're weightless, uh, you know, like as long as you can uh, kind of move your body around and, and use your arms, uh, you don't really need to be fully able-bodied. And that wouldn't matter because he would never be allowed – like uh, Jude Law's character would never have been allowed to go up to Gattaca because – even though he was genetically perfect, he he still was physically imperfect. Mm-hmm. So you're saying they they purposefully withhold information about going into space if you can't go to Gattaca. Is that what you mean? I, I guess what I mean is that we are aware that Gattaca uh, discriminates based on genetics, and I I think that they also discriminate based on like able bodiedness mm-hmm. because. If there was never a hint that anybody in all of Gattaca was anything but perfectly able-bodied, you know, and and so you know I think that there is still a, a second layer of discrimination there that isn't really talked about too much, but is a part of the Gattaca. You know, they're chasing perfection, they're chasing perfect people, and if you've been hit by a car and are now wheelchair bound, you're no longer a perfect person by Gattaca's rules. Um, and, and that's, you know, borne out by the fact that nobody in there had any disabilities of any kind. I see what you're saying. So even when it's not genetics, they're still discriminating. Right. Just not calling it that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that that is definitely what's happening. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about once he gets to that next step, everything gets better, but they've purposefully made it so almost nobody can get to that next step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in that scene where all of our characters are meeting each other, the brother has brought Uma Thurman to the house, and we see Jude Law and Uma Thurman together for the first time. And you can see that she's kind of putting it together. Mm-hmm. You know, she's kind of putting together like the problem of what's going on here or, 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 or starting to piece together who Drew Morrow really is. Um, but then she goes along with it. Right. Yeah. And, and she doesn't have to go along with it, but she chooses to go along with it. And this scene is like, uh, to me is, is, is one of the, the coolest scenes in the movie. Um, I just wanted to hear if you had any kind of thoughts around that or, or the way that they, they interacted with one another in that moment. I guess they all share the same motivation to a certain extent that they wish that the world that they lived in didn't have these restrictions and they could go further. And Ethan Mm -hmm. Hawke's the only one actually willing to do that, to take that risk. Yeah. So while they could all turn him in, while they, you know, while they all are afraid, he's, he's taking that extra step that they can't take. And so I think for her, she's willing to to help him with it because, you know, on one level, I think she finally realizes, yeah, he was accepting her flaws, but also he's flawed himself. And so they're equals. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and that makes her, I think, feel a little bit better, you know, and then on another level, he's doing what she's afraid to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she kind of admires him in that way that he's able to do things not because he was always predestined to do those things, but because he pushed himself to do things that, um, that otherwise he would have been limited to do. Yeah. I, I see that like definitely there was that, that kind of interplay where she's, where she's realizing, Oh no, the person I'm talking to that I've fallen for at this stage, cause they've, they've been together at that point. Um, the person I'm falling for is an invalid. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious, it's obvious that he's an invalid because, the brother goes there, the detective goes there, draws blood right out of Jude Law's veins, and sure enough, it's Jerome Morrow, and she's like, oh, you're Jerome Morrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought someone else was Jerome Morrow this whole time. Um, and and it, that's the, the way that scene plays out where, where she leaves, and I kind of got the impression that Ethan Hawke character felt like okay well um this is all probably going to crash to to the ground it's jerome morrow who has this kind of he has a life of privilege he can draw back on and go no nah, dude she likes us like yeah. <laughs> with nothing nothing is over everything's fine because he lived in a world where and eh, you did kind of crappy things to each other but you still got accepted all the time um because of who you were right and ethan hawk has been kind of living this lie this whole time now that the lie is out everything about him is about to come crashing down and jude law the real drone morrow can look at that with clarity and say no 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 she likes us this will be fine don't worry about it um i really liked that just the way that scene plays out and the way it ends with again ethan hawk vincent is questioning and Jude Law or the real Jerome Morrow is like, no, man, this is this is going to complete. This is going to be fine because I think we won her over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And 
I think on a higher level too, you know, with his brother and with uh, the even the doctor at the end, it's like oh, everybody yeah. in the everyone around him, there's way more people supporting him than he realizes because they can all relate on some level. Even if they yes. accepted, someone else that they love isn't. Yes. So it's kind of, and so in a way, he's sort of, he's beating the odds and he's, his success is all of their success. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. The doctor knew the whole time that he was, <laughs> that yeah. he was somebody else. Cause he's like, Hey, uh, just so you know, you have this habit that really gives you away. And you've had that habit since the day I met you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I, yeah, that's such a cool thing about this movie. Like, when I was older watching this movie again, like, I was, I kind of welled up at that moment when you realize that, no, actually, this guy has way more allies than he realizes. Way more people are are pushing for him to be a success. And he thought he was alone in this world, you know. Yeah. He thought he was he was pushing against the grain and he didn't realize it, but he had like hidden allies the entire time, which I, I just love. I think that's such a great aspect of that movie. Yeah. And how like in, in their world, your successes are yours alone. They're predetermined. They're, you know, you're superior. Other people are under you. And in this story, it's like, he's not superior and his successes are, I guess, uh, they're a combination, not just of his actions, but of others too, supporting him. Right. That, that's a definitely a, a warmer, fuzzier idea that someone's success comes from the from support from the people that care about them, and not just you know it's all about me, myself, and I kind of thing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And if he can succeed, then they or their loved ones can succeed. And to know that hey, it takes a community. You know, it takes a, a group of people to make somebody successful. And yeah. beca because he came from nothing, he has the humility to appreciate that. Right. Which right. is great. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just way more noble than their society has become and something I think that they all kind of crave. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, uh, one other thing just about Gattaca is, I mean, how brilliant is it that they predicted there'd be a private company sending rockets full of people into f deep space? Or into right? the deep solar system, you know, <laughs> like, like they one predicted that genetic uh, uh, filtering was going to be a thing, which it is, and then they also predicted that private industry would be kind of in charge of sending lots of people to space, which right now kind of looked like that's the way it's going to go. It's just like they had such a prescient understanding of the future um, when they made this movie. It's really really cool. Well, can you talk about the NASA angle a little bit? Like, what about this movie? Why did they vote this one more accurate above others? Like, what about it? So, um, one, the launch window. Um, so, in the movie, one of the plot points is that they had a seven-day launch window. And that's because the goal is to get a ship full of people to Titan, which is weird. Um, but they need to get a ship full of people to Titan. And those people need to come back within a year. Um, so, that means that you have to send the ship out with enough time for it to get there, do whatever mission it is, and then get everybody back before Jupiter and the Earth are too far away from each other. Oh, okay. Um, and, so, and so that was one of them. And then the other thing was just the whole understanding of genetics. They did a really good job of, of explaining how that would happen. Because the, the geneticist doesn't say, oh, I engineered your child. I 
selected your child. Right. So he filters down to as close to perfection as he can get. He doesn't add anything. And at the time, that was the case. At the time, we couldn't manipulate genes, but we could filter. Um, and that's what NASA was saying. is like, hey, you guys did a really good job of, one, understanding space and the whole problem of Jupiter and Earth and all that kind of stuff. But two, understanding um, the genetic component here. Now, what has changed since this movie is that we do have the ability to manipulate. Um, and so that's one of those things that is a, is a future concern for all of us to have of, well, you know, how do we want to deal with things like CRISPR and other forms of genetic manipulation? Mm-hmm. Now, is there a movie on that list of uh, the worst, like NASA considers the least accurate? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I imagine. So it's probably like, uh, it's probably like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Planet of the Apes or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or like Armageddon. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Armageddon is way on their hate, hate list, I'm sure. It's like, no, you don't, you don't drill into an asteroid with put a nuke in there that's dumb (laughs) (laughs) you think michael bay didn't do all that research yeah yeah he doesn't seem like the kind of guy to do a lot of scientific study yeah yeah well that's that's cool do you you have any more uh any more scenes you wanted to talk about um let's see here no i don't think so i mean there's there's just a lot of beautiful moments in the movie but all my favorite scenes really are the kind of setup of the premise and the relationships and then when all the relationships are coming together and you know watching ethan hawk's character move away from living a life of a lie Mm -hmm. to living a truth you know just i i love the the whole climax of this movie is i just i just love every bit of it yeah it's really good well i guess that brings me to my last two questions then uh what keeps you coming back to this movie i feel like you've said that yeah, but summarize. Yeah, <laughs> yes. To summarize, um, one, it's very predictive. I think I think right now people need to be watching this movie more than ever because the things that are uh, normal in this movie are becoming more possible for us as a people, and that's I just keep keep coming back to it because it's a really w- good story. It's a really um, I'm not going to call it fun because I don't think it's fun, but it's a good story, and the characters are so well structured and they have so many layers to them that every time I watch it, there's somebody in there. I'm like, Oh, there's that another angle I have on this person that I didn't get before. Like I've really come to appreciate Jude Law's character way more than I did when I first watched the movie, because I understand more of what his, what, how impossible his life was when he got started and, and you know, the, the, the crisis he was in when the movie starts Mm-hmm. I have a much better appreciation for that now. Um, oh, so, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, what would you say to someone that's never seen this movie before? How do you pitch it? So, for Gattaca to pitch this, I, I tell people, look, this movie is – it's a really good movie. It's well done. It's well told. And it's just so – God, it just predicts so much about what we've done and where we're going. And when you look at – when you look at sci-fi these days, it's all – well, not all, but there's so much just frantic pacing. And this yeah. one, it takes, the, it takes the time because you got to pay attention. There's so much going on in this movie that um, if, you, if you're not kind of watching it uh, in a focused way, you're going to miss some really big real, – some really important points that matter to us today. 
things like genetics, things like, um, you know, space travel on a, on a private venture. You know, what happens when you hand space travel over to a private company? What can they do with that? Yeah, um, how sure. is that good and bad, you know? And so there's just so much really cool stuff in this movie that I think people need to watch just so they can have a, an informed or a, maybe not informed, but a, but a, a different angle, you know, uh, they've considered it now they've considered these things, you know, what's, what's the impact of a, of a, of a society that fully understands genetics, a society that has handed space travel over to private companies. Um, let's, let's be aware of those things. Let's watch this movie and kind of, kind of think about that. Yeah. And I think when, when people think about science fiction, in general, they have an idea of what it is when really science fiction can be a lot of different things. And mm -hmm. so this deviates away from, you know, they're not in space with blasters, <laughs> right? but you know, it's still, it's science fiction. And it's also a drama. And I think by, um, it's always interesting when you can take something that we all know and understand and just put it in a different, uh, environment and how we look at that so differently when we do that, like, kind of like we discussed already, um, that question that that professor had of, you know, what do you think about penalizing people, making them pay $500 a month because of a chromosome that they have? And you're like, right. oh, that's horrible. It's like, oh, well, they do that, you know. Yeah. They have a y chromosome. <laughs> so, like, we already do that. We're already right. doing this. What do you think about that? How does that make you feel about the way that our society operates? And, you know, I'm always interested in movies that make you dig a little deeper and, and force you to... Uh, force is a bad word. <laughs> Not invite. 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 Oh, I like yeah. that. That's much better. Uh, invite you to discuss things a little bit deeper and, and sort of make it safe because it's fiction. You know, it's right. science fiction, but um, but still have a lot of rele relevance. And I don't think I've thought about this movie in a really long time. Like, uh, in fact, when I watched it last night, it's like I had one idea of what it was about. And then as I was watching it, I remembered what it's really about. Kind of. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, why yeah. do I think that? And I think... Because of the trailer, you know, it, it slices all these moments together and makes it look really action-packed, but mm -hmm. it's not, it doesn't happen that way. And so I think over time, I kind of thought that that's how this movie was. But um, I agree with you. The pacing, everything about it is really, really great. And mm -hmm. I recommend it. It's definitely uh, a movie that's, <laughs> they're back. You can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to continue. They're just they're just supportive of the movie as well. Um, That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that you know this movie. Uh, it says a lot that when it came out, I think people critics at least weren't really ready for it. It's kind of grown over time as they see the cultural relevance of what this movie was talking about. Yeah. But I'd, I'd love to hear what somebody who didn't grow up with it that revisits it, what they would think about it, because I think it would be still relevant today and very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It'd be really neat to hear somebody who's in their, you know, twenties or even late teens. Yeah. Watching this going, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this all seems pretty normal to me. And here's this thing that I find very interesting or, or novel. Uh yeah. I would love to love to have that opinion. They'd probably say, like we were talking about earlier, oh, they're in the future, but what about it's futuristic? Yeah. <laughs> like electric cars and stuff. It seemed like, whoa, yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for coming back on. You always pick like some of the best movies, man. Like I, oh, I was like, I was excited when you picked this one. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I keep threatening. I really want to do a western with you. Oh, I really yeah. want to do um, a Kira Kurosawa movie with you. But every Ooh. time you ask me the question, all right, David, what movie are we going to pick? I always, for whatever reason, go back to sci-fi. And apparently, hey, I'm not complaining. Genetics. I don't know. There's something in there. <laughs> Uh, I completely understand. Um, this yeah. was a fun one, and I hope everyone out there that hasn't seen this movie yet gives it a shot. Hopefully we talked you into it. Yeah. Um, but thanks, yeah, and uh, come back again soon. Oh, do you want to plug your podcast really quick? 
Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I'm now running a podcast called High Shelf Gaming. And really, Lisa, I have you to thank for this. You encouraged wow. me early on to do this, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, it's a weekly podcast about board games, gaming conventions, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, and then every Friday we do a, a stream now. We stream all of us cool. playing. We, yeah, we, we play board games together, and we stream that live, and everybody's welcome to join us. We, we play these games on a website, so it's very easy for anybody to jump in and play games with us, and we stream the whole thing, and it's just a party. Oh, wow, I have to check that out. I'm not That's, as much of a gamer, so I'm, I'm kind of behind, but I'll, I'll, I'll pop in. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll shoot you a link sometime. Okay, cool. All right, well, thanks, and uh, have, a good, have a good evening. Thanks. You as well. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it was great having David back. Uh, you should go listen to his Jurassic Park episode and our Blade Runner 2049 episode. Those are really fun. Uh, he's a regular, and we love having him on. Um, by the way, we are getting really close to our one-year anniversary of the I Love That Movie podcast. So I want to do some fun stuff for the anniversary, and I'll keep you guys posted as we get closer. If you have any suggestions on what you think we should do to celebrate, just send them my way. Um, I also want to let you guys know that we are having a meetup at the Dallas Intercontinental Hotel during AllCon on March 15th. The meetup starts at 8 p.m. at the lobby bar. It's just a chance to meet some of the guests that have been on the show and just grab a beer and chat in person. Really informal. This is not an official convention event. It's just a meetup. It's just meeting up with some pals that like movies. Uh, if you guys have any feedback on this episode or any others, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter under AYA Lisa Cosplay. I'm also on Instagram under AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa. Uh, or in our closed Facebook group, I Love That Movie. Our group is closed, but just send a request and I'll add you. It's just a safe space for movie lovers to kind of just chat uh, judgment-free about their favorite films. My only rule is keep it positive. So if you did like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. If you leave a positive review on iTunes, you'll be automatically entered to win a $20 gift card to a movie theater chain of your choice. Right now we're at 18 reviews, guys. So when I get to 30, I'm going to draw a name. We had one drawing at 15, so the next drawing is at 30. It's easy money. Leave us a review. Really looking forward to hearing from you guys. Um, thanks so much again, and uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.